May I speak to you in the name of God, who is revealed in Scripture and in the life of the Church as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, congratulations on 150 years of ministry in this place. I swear you don't look a day over 100. <laughs> you just don't. You have been so well-preserved. What is it you're doing? Did you have some work done? <laughs> it is an extraordinary honor to be with you this morning to welcome people into the Episcopal Church, to welcome people into adulthood in the Episcopal Church, and to welcome those of you who are visiting this morning. You never quite know what the lectionary is going to give you to preach on, do you? Did you catch that line in Ezekiel right at the end? And the fat and the strong I shall destroy, for I shall feed them with justice. Happy anniversary. <laughs> you can always tell when Bible interpreters and translators find that there's a line that makes people uncomfortable. Because if you have your Bible open, you can look in the footnotes and you'll see that different translators struggle with that translation. And, and there may even be people who 1,500 years ago said, you know, if I change this little stroke here to a little stroke there, that word, the fat and the strong I shall destroy, turns into the fat and the strong I shall protect. <laughs> and that's one of the alternate readings in that passage. But that next line, I shall feed them with justice, I think makes the point clear. And if you read on, and you're always allowed to read on in the Bible, please feel free to read on in the Bible. You'll see that Ezekiel talks about how God is going to bring justice on behalf of the poor and the marginalized. God is going to bring justice on behalf of the people who have not been well fed and who have not been cared for. Like I said, happy anniversary. <laughs> it, it, it's a complicated thing to hear that Ezekiel is probably talking at some degree about people like me. I got a hat, I got a stick, I kind of got a crown, I got a scepter. That sort of looks like a throne, doesn't it? <laughs> I work out, I eat well, I'm not fat necessarily, but I'm strong. And you wonder, Right? Is Ezekiel pointing out to people like me, maybe like you, that God and God's vision for us is more complicated? There are people who would argue that because we have the things we do, God loves us extra and has showered blessings upon us. But reading the Bible in that way and understanding that kind of witness misses the point of who Jesus came to proclaim the good news to, who Jesus hung out with. It was the outcast and the marginalized. It's a little uncomfortable. You're kind of wondering where I'm going with this, aren't you? I'll get there. <laughs> but, but I think any time we open the Bible and look for clear words of comfort, we're going to be challenged. And if you're reading the Bible carefully, if you're not squirming by the end of what you read, you're not really paying attention. So what do we make of this? 
Well, this is the feast of St. Peter and St. Paul, so I take great comfort in the fact that Peter and Paul ended their lives as martyrs and have gone down in history as exemplars of the faith. Because you know what? It's complicated, their story. And that's the thing. When you hear the Bible speaking about something, it's like reading a snapshot in a moment of time. That in fact, what the Bible is telling us is that in this moment, this might be true, but in the next moment, there's more to the story. You remember Paul's story, right? He was a small businessman, owned his own tent-making industry. He was middle class. Uh, uh, one of my professors in seminary, I, I think, Craig, probably one of yours as well, Wayne Meeks, did an analysis of the names and the occupations of people in the New Testament. And it turns out most of the apostles and most of the people named are either middle class or kind of well off. Jesus was hanging out with the poor, but he surrounded himself with people kind of like me. And I, I take great comfort in that. But you remember Paul, the Pharisee, the lawyer, brilliant legal mind who spoke against Jesus and spoke against the church and in fact persecuted the church. He held, as Paul says, I held the cloaks of the people who were stoning the first deacon to death. And Paul has no reason to think, if you just think about that moment, that he would ever become a hero of the faith. And yet something happens to Paul. Something happens on the road to Damascus, and he is transformed. He's transformed, and somehow he's gathered into the body of Christ, and his entire life changes. And in that change, he shows that God can redeem us all. That through Paul, faith was preached to people like us, our ancestors, who were not part of the people of Israel, were not Jewish, were folded into the kingdom of God because we heard a proclamation of God's love. We heard that there was another way for us to live, and that way was transformative. Paul messed up pretty bad. He messed up pretty bad, but God found a way to bring Paul into the kingdom of God. I think you probably heard that reading of the feeding of the disciples at breakfast time and Peter's restoration a couple of weeks ago in Easter. And you remember what's happening. Peter three times is asked, Peter, do you love me by Jesus in the post-resurrection appearance? And three times Peter says, I love you. I love you. Oh, you know I love you. <laughs> You know, I like that. You know I love you. <laughs> but Peter's being restored. Because three times, as Jesus was being taken away to be murdered, he denied him. After promising that he would never, ever, ever deny Jesus within a day's time, he denies him three times. And he is destroyed, distraught, because of what has happened. And yet, in this moment of a new encounter with Jesus on this beach, Peter is restored and given back the keys to the kingdom of heaven, given back his role as the chief of the apostles, given back his role as the stone, the rock upon which the church would be built. God can take a person who messed up pretty bad and restore them. That's good news for us. 
Because I don't know if you're like me, but I lay awake at night sometimes remembering all the ways I've messed up. <laughs> Particularly, I had a rocky run in my teenage and college years. <laughs> so I, I revisit those regularly and feel bad about that. And yet I, I, I know that God can restore us and that the way of love can transform us. That selfless, self-emptying love that leads to gentleness and kindness and tolerance and peace, welcome and generosity, the gifts of the Spirit, all flow from a heart that is transformed by love. Now that's what we're talking about on this 150th anniversary. Because churches are never kind of a straight story. They zig and they zag. I've been bishop long enough and I've gotten to know enough churches as priests that I know that there's zigs and zags in every church's story, but that God has a direction that God wants churches to go in, just like God has a direction that God wants us to go in. And sometimes we go sideways, but God manages to restore us. And over 150 years, whether it's through weather catastrophes or wars, or alarm, depression, you have managed to let God lead you back and gather around an altar where because of God's love that is poured out, you are being transformed as you are being fed with God's own body and blood. You are being gathered into the kingdom of God, and the parts of you that are wrong are being restored. Fat and the strong I will destroy, for I shall feed them with justice. How do we make sense of that against that background? Well, Peter, Peter owned some boats. He's a fisherman. I don't know, you know people own boats? <laughs> Work as fishermen? You know, it's a hard life. It's a hard life, but you can make a living there, right? And, and if the weather's good and the fish are running, you can make kind of a nice living for a while. And, and if you own your own tent-making industry, that's pretty big money. You could do okay by that. Peter and Paul were doing fine, and they messed up. And God found a way to bring them back, and not just bring them back, but lift them high and use them to proclaim the good news of the gospel, the good news to all of the world, the good news that you and I have inherited because of their restoration. We are directly their spiritual children because God did not turn aside. God destroyed the strong and the fat because he fed them with justice and he transformed them. In the Middle Ages, there was a way to read the gospel and any part of the Bible that said there are different levels of meaning in any biblical text. There's the meaning that sort of is the plain meaning and then there is a meaning that is always referring to Jesus. So if you want to hear that Ezekiel passage about the sheep that are marginalized and destroyed and pushed aside and persecuted, you could hear that passage about the sheep as really being read about Jesus. And it's Jesus having been fed with justice that becomes the way of justice for each one of us. But you can also read any scripture as being a story about our souls. And that's the thing I want you to take away today. We have within us a mixture, right? There's a mixture, there's a mixture of good, there's a mixture of things that I'm proud about myself, 
and of, I have done, and then there is a mixture of things for which I am ashamed. God's Holy Spirit moving in us lifts up the parts of us that are worthy of being exalted and transforms the parts of us that we are not proud of and restores those parts so that we can be entirely gathered into the kingdom of God. Not as a people necessarily, but as individuals more importantly. That's the other way of reading it. And I think when you come across a difficult passage like this on a feast day like that, you should recognize there's something really important being said. That God's spirit moving in you is transforming you. Consuming the dross, refining you, and making you entirely gold. And that's worth telling people about. Right? That's worth telling people about. That's why this church is here and has stood for 150 years proclaiming the gospel because people from decade after decade after decade, generation after generation, have heard the good news and have learned that there is always hope, even if you despair. Look at our patron, Peter. Look what Peter did. And look what God did with him. Look how the Holy Spirit went in and took that part of him that was full of cowardice and turned it into a kind of courage that when it was time for him to suffer death like Jesus did, he insisted that he be treated with less honor than Jesus because he was not worthy. And in doing that, he taught us about how we can follow. The Spirit has the power to transform you. The Spirit has the power to transform the parts of you that you worry about, that you don't like. The Spirit has the power by hearing the gospel, by being fed with bread and wine, by being part of a community that is being gathered into the kingdom to transform all of us and make us the children of God. 150 years of that work in this place. That's what churches are for. That kind of proclamation. As your bishop, for this moment, I want to charge you, those of you who are being confirmed, those of you who are being received, those of you who are part of this incredible celebration, I want to charge you to go out and proclaim that love. Be kind. Be kind to people, be generous to people, be patient with people. In little ways and in big ways, smile at people in the line at Dave's. You don't have Dave's down here, what do you have? <laughs> that, smile there. <laughs> smile in the grocery store. Let somebody go first at the stop sign. Just those little things and, and somebody will notice that you're being nice and they'll say, how did you get that way? You didn't used to be that way. I know from my own experience the transformation that I have gone through because of my drawing close to the gospel and hearing how you were transformed, they might just slip in someday, sideways, hoping you wouldn't notice, sitting in the back, and they too might find hope that the parts of them that need to be fed with justice will be fed with justice destroyed and transformed, and they will be whole again. This is the ministry 
of this church. This is the ministry that you are given. It is the ministry that we share across the state. Thank you to those who have gone before us for 150 years of that work. I charge you to follow in their steps. Be true to what those who have gone before us have done. And let us, together with them, work with the Holy Spirit, with the risen Christ, together, transforming the world and restoring all people to right relationship and love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>